Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, the coronavirus continues to hit homestands, and we look at the new hero pools for the league and the games that were played at the Washington Justice homestand. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay section of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you've had a good week. Hope you've enjoyed watching the Overwatch League adapt to missing the the Korean homestand, which I, I, for for their part, it was a really good pivot. They they managed to to make it work. Yeah, I, I think that they kind of bounced back the way how they wanted to make it happen. Um, the Washington Justice didn't necessarily plan to have this, but um, I'm glad that they they made accommodations to have this game or have these games up. I, I will say I was very surprised with the performance of the Houston Outlaws. I did not expect any of that to happen this weekend. But a fun note for me is that, um, so I was on Twitter after the game happened and Dream, who is one of their coaches, um, was tweeting about like, oh, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just because we forced them to play our meta. We just outplayed them and we did really well. And then um, me being snarky, even though they are my favorite team, I I said, and Muma wasn't playing Reinhardt. And which prompted a discussion between several people. There was, it was mainly me and somebody else. Um, the other guy was whining about, no, Muma's, Muma's good. What are you talking about? I don't know what game you were watching. Like Muma used to be the best Western main tank in the game. And then everyone were like, yeah, maybe back in season one, but um, he's not that good anymore. He's not landing his shatters. He's a good, he's good on Winston. We saw that like when he's on Winston, he can carry his team to victory. But when he's on Reinhardt, he's bad and eventually i guess the uh the comment section was a little bit too harsh for dream so he he um blocked me on twitter so that happened uh not i'm not too devastated about it it's a bit upsetting if your coaching staff is blocking your fans and not able to take criticism how are you going to get them to to a, a winning state honestly um, if your fans are, are recognizing trends and patterns, if you're not recognizing them and you're still losing, like there has to be a change made. But anyway, I was blocked by dream. I, I guess you can say that you will, you'll never reach your dream. <laughs> I mean, he blocked you. It, it's more like, um, yeah, it, you should be able to take constructive criticism. Like even as a coach, you should be able to just absorb it and just be like, okay, yes, I understand. Um, this is the this is the view of the public. They want they want to see this. But um, if you're going to the point where, like, you have to literally block people for stating a or pointing out something, um, maybe your coaching shouldn't be on like a hair trigger. You should be able to, you know, take it in and be like, oh yeah, maybe maybe it is a maybe it is a point that we should look at. Maybe we should look at this as an option. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, the hero pool really did favor a lot of extra teams compared to other teams. So, yeah. So, uh, it was the second Washington justice homestand took over for the, uh, soul dynasty who were supposed to be originally handling it, but because of coronavirus fears, they had to 
um, sadly say that we can't host this right now for the safety of everybody involved, which it's definitely the right decision. Um, so this week we had the Defiant versus the Mayhem, the Eternal versus the Outlaws, the Uprising versus the Justice. And this was the first week of the Hero Pools. So Reinhardt McCree, Widowmaker, and Moira were not available to be picked. Our map pool this week was going to be Control, followed by Payload and Hybrid. And if more than three maps were needed, um, Assault and Control were going to be our, our maps. Um, I noticed that they, they did start listing the, the two optional maps afterwards because it's not just staying at best of three right now, it, it, first to three. It's definitely at least going to four in most cases because um, while we do have a lot of steamrolls, most of the teams will put up at least a little bit of a fight. Yeah, so our, our first map, we had the Defiant versus the Mayhem, and they went to Busan, Junkertown, and Blizzworld, and would go to Hanamura and Ilios as Overflow. Florida won this one. Which was surprising. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that I, I did not have any hope of Florida winning this. I thought they're the, they're such a new team and they're, they're like, they've consistently been one of the lower ranked teams in the Overwatch League. And Defiant typically has, has been one of the, the better teams that we've seen. And then somehow Florida comes in, pulls a, 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 almost a reverse sweep, not even. Toronto won one map. And even then, like, it wasn't a, an easy 2-0 because they won on Busan, but it went to map three. So even from the beginning, Florida weren't rolling over. But as soon as that happened, like, Florida just dominated. I feel like the one thing that we can point out here, um, this is just pure observation here. Um, notice how, um, what is it? Toronto was not playing with May. Um, Florida picked up May in most of their maps. If this, if anything, is a case study of showing how strong May is versus other teams, you we should have hit it on the pool. Like, uh, yeah, Florida, Florida won. No, I wouldn't say they only won because they picked May. It, T Toronto could have easily picked May as well, but it's the fact that like they're playing in a style that they're used to they they can play the may and also um going back to the throwback of you know florida is mainly a um is a team made of like really high level contenders players uh they played the hack fist too which is something that i haven't seen since korea contender season two um but that is something that is very prominent is very good if you know executed correctly um hack fist is just sombra doom fist uh you hack a target and then you slap them into a wall and they die um <laughs> that that is the most sophisticated way i could explain what hack fist is but it used to be played with zarya ryan so you can graviton surge hold everybody into place and then meteor strike and then clean up whoever whoever's left but um in recent times uh now that the uh Ryan has banned in this uh, hero pool. Uh, you could run it with a Winston, and whoever gets hacked, you just collapse right on top of them. You don't give them any space. Yeah, definitely. Like, you, I think you hit it right on the money with that May composition. Like, you have the freeze just normally deleting any mobility that any team would have. You have the wall as a third shield. You have as we've seen, the dominance and, and control of a point that you can get with the Blizzard. 
And I don't know. It, it was just, there was a point, I think, definitely after they lost that first nap, I think they should have um, changed any strategy they had and gone on that May. If anything, after the second loss, like, you know that something needs to change. If you're losing to, to, to Florida, who in previous seasons, you probably would have been able to dominate because you have before. Um, I, I just wanted to say that I, I do really like what Hero Pools have done to Overwatch, at least in this first week. Because we saw so many different heroes. We saw Soldier 76, Hanzo, Farah, Torb, um, Zenyatta, uh, Baptiste, Brigida. Like, there was so much variety. We, we had the pharmacy combo again, which I love so much. Yeah, with Hero Pools, it did shake up the way how a lot of teams played. And because they were the two most prominent hit scans, that's probably why you saw a lot more Farah um than we would in other other days but i am really excited to see what well we know what the next hero pool is but um we'll see how this really affects the way how teams are going to be playing i i think that um we'll go we'll go into that like after we we discuss this week but um yeah i do enjoy what hero pools are doing to the um to the landscape at the moment yeah so the next match that we had was the uh, Paris Eternal versus the Houston Outlaws. Um, I was not prepared for this at all. As, as we've said in the past weeks, the Paris Eternal are looking like a very, very solid team. We'll talk about it later, how they ended the uh, Philly Fusion 5-0 run. But they lost a 3-0 to the, the Houston Outlaws, which, I mean... With, with the meta as it was being a lot of Winston play, I, I had hoped that the Outlaws would at least would have a chance to win this, but I did not expect a 3-0 sweep. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected a 3-0 coming out from the Houston Outlaws, especially since they haven't been uh, finding their stride, so to say. Um, but I do feel like, once again, like we can we can throw it back to the way how we were discussing it earlier. With Ryan out of the pool, Muma is one of the scariest Winstons out there in the game. That's why Absolutely they were so dominant. That's why they were so dominant during like the dive era. Like the when when you saw Muma on Team USA during that time, like Winston was the pick. And they were just, you know, doing damage. And now now that you know Ryan is out of the pool, who are who else are you gonna rely on to play Winston? Um Muma, of course, like one of the very few players who was still in that World Cup from like years ago. Um, you could say that. And also, um, if you looked at like Korea, like when they won the whole thing, um, Miro was the Winston. And I actually have a Soul Dynasty skin because I, I respected Miro that much. But um, yeah, it, he's no longer or I don't I don't even know if he's still in the game. Like, is, is he still even playing? Um, but yeah, essentially the Houston outlaws did really well, um, this week. And I do think it was up to the hero pool, um, just really playing into their favor. Right. I think it, it got a lot of the Houston outlaws playing back where they were comfortable. Like Dante on tracer was so important in this because he was able to to pop in their back line and just clean up kills. He was a, he's very good at tracer. He's very good at being distracting. 
without getting caught out and completing on his kills. I, I don't know if, if the Outlaws as a team right now are able to keep this, this two winning streak up, but as long as the hero pool it is favoring dive, I think that the Outlaws do have a chance because they've demonstrated that while they're not the best at bunker, if you go dive, you should be worried. Yeah, this is the one time that like team that the outlaws actually feel at home. I feel like they they play really well on a dive composition. Um, every team has something that they definitely love to play um, more than others. Like if everybody like reminisces about a meta that they like the most, the the outlaws for sure. It was season two dive. They were really good at that. So um, I'm glad that we got glimpses of that again. Um, and we'll see if the hero pool favors them later down the line. Now, the Outlaws aren't playing until week nine. That's that's about a month. That's four weeks until we see them again. Um, they're going to be facing the Paris Eternal, then the New York Excelsior, and then the Uprising. So the first match is going to be a rematch. With that one-month gap, and I guess you can also apply this to uh, the Asian teams who haven't played at all this season. Um with that one month gap, like, are they going to be able to uh, maintain this performance? Or is it going to kind of go by the wayside because they don't have that momentum and they haven't really been on the scene to experience that hero pool um, play style and, and being in front of, well, they're not going to be in front of people, but they, they just haven't experienced the feeling of playing competitive for that month. Um. I think they'll probably do what the San Francisco Shock are currently doing, which is like they'll boot camp like crazy. Um, they were boot camping for quite a while. Um, and I feel like if you have a month off, you should be using some of it to, yes, relax, let your let your players, you know, experience life and stuff. But you could also use that time to, um, you know, boot camp, play in even harder uh, environments and, allowing for your team to grow better and stronger over time. Um, that is something that obviously the coaching staff will have the final call on. Um, but we, we will be able to see that when we see other teams play. Um, and this is, this is even more so towards like the teams that have only a couple games and we're supposed to have games in the next upcoming months. Um, this whole two-month gap where they're not going to have live events might um, might make teams, like, you know, take a nap because they don't have a lot of support. They don't have – they don't see the physical support um, of the crowd at that time. So, um, once again, I feel like it's going to be interesting to see what uh, the Outlaws do during their one month. Well, I won't be getting my updates from Dream's Twitter, that's for sure. Um, so the next match was the Uprising versus the Justice. And uh, this was kind of, for me, a, a reverse of the Defiant versus the Mayhem, where um, I fully expected the Washington Justice to, to cap this one, no problem. Um, but what happened, they did go to a map four. The Boston uh, Uprising did win that first map in Busan very easily. Um, they've capped that first point at downtown 100 to zero. And then we're able to to take the the temple point. Um, There's a little bit of back and forth, but they they did manage to win it at two 
zero on Busan. Um, but after that, it was just a sweep. The, the justice woke up. If they, I'm guessing maybe they didn't take it too seriously at first because they're facing the Boston uprising. But after that first win, it was just a 3-0 sweep. It was like a completely different game. Yeah, sometimes it's it's kind of the same way how the the shock kind of play sometimes where they're just like, um, we could take we can kind of figure them out, feel them out during the first map, and then completely destroy them during the second half, and that's what they were doing. Um, this, if anything, shows that without McCree in the pool, um, Tracer is just free to kind of do whatever she wants, and the the Justice really used that to their advantage. Um, the tracer play like, was really dominant this week. Yeah, and honestly, the high level tracer play makes it's just exciting to watch. You you don't get that every day, so I'm glad that the the tracer was played quite a lot um, during this week. We got to see a lot more interesting play coming out from from both sides here. Yeah, it, it's for me. This map was kind of like. Um, it kind of harkens back to what I believe EQO said. I think it was EQO on the Philly Fusion uh, a couple weeks ago, how the rise of the Philly Fusion in this season is because they've stopped playing down to their opponents. They treat every opponent as they could beat us. We have to beat them. But I, I think for me, at least it, it looked like they weren't do uh, the justice weren't doing that in this map. Um, it looked like they got complacent. And after that, they Boston essentially dominated them on that first map, kind of made a fool of them on that first 100 to zero cap. Um, I think it validates definitely the Philly Fusion's perspective on how to win the league this year. Yeah, you have to treat everybody like they're the hardest opponent ever. And it's kind of the same way if you want to go back all the way to season one, how um, everybody out of every team in the league they respected the Shanghai Dragons the most, uh, even though they they never won a match, and that's the reason why. Like, um, they were like, "We don't want to be the team that you know loses to to the Dragons." There's a lot of pressure every right. every single time that any team would face them, so they would play them extra hard. Like, they would treat every team, you know, with with that kind of respect, even the team that has no wins. So you have to do that in this league everybody has a chance like one day they could just you know completely roll you over you gotta just because of personnel um it doesn't mean that you're gonna win or lose a game it's not like basketball where like you know if my group of, p- of friends went into a basketball match against like lebron james and like Giannis, i'm gonna get dunked on every time like there's there's no chance but if we're both playing overwatch or we're both in a game the playing field is even. It comes down to the way how you execute. That's going to be the right. difference. So, yeah, that, that's what I feel like is the difference in, in these games. It's the way how you execute um, because literally the, the characters and the tools don't change. So moving on to day two, we had the Eternal V Fusion, the NYXL versus the Justice, and the Uprising versus the Rain. Now, for me, I think the most, if not the Outlaws match, which totally blew me away, I think the most interesting match for me was the Eternal v. Fusion because um, as it stands, the Eternal and the Fusion are probably the two best that teams that have been currently um, playing extensively. 
we've had we've had had teams like the San Francisco Shock play one match, but we really haven't gotten to see how they're performing this season um, with these new dynamics, and we haven't seen them play on Hero Pool. So, uh, the Eternal V Fusion. This went for a very long time. This went as far as you could go to Map Five, Third Point, um, and even then, it was not. It wasn't clean at all. These teams were scrappy fighting till the very end. You look at that that last map on on Garden on Parrot, uh, not Paris, not Garden on Oasis. They're fighting it so hard in OT. They're trickling and they're not giving any ground. They're flipping this in OT and never stopping. It's not it's not a a, a one sided thing at all. I think these t- two teams personally are are at the top of the game right now. I think that. Maybe maybe the Eternal were just a little bit hungrier after that loss to the 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 Houston Outlaws to prove that they're still a top team, and they did manage to to break the unbeated streak of the Fusion this this week. Yeah, I I agree that all of these teams are just coming out to fight. Um, and yeah, this one's pretty stacked in terms of the lineup. Um, but we have to wait until you know, some of the other teams play till we could actually get a good gauge of who stands at where. I think really what um what was really demonstrated a lot in this ma- in this matchup especially was the importance of getting to the point first. Like we see it a lot with uh the sim picks at the very beginning, someone will pick sim and teleport just to give a little a couple seconds of advantage to their team to get to the point first. Um, you see it a lot with the Lucio picks with the speed boost and then the swap off if there's a swap. But I mean, especially on, again, on garden, um, if you're able to set up first on the high ground or, or just any favorable ground, even by a couple seconds, you're already dictating the fight. They're already having to respond to you. So that already gives you a huge advantage on setting pace, um, setting up in the favorable position and capping the point first. So both teams did it. This it wasn't a, a one-sided thing where like with um Defiant and Mayhem and, and one picked the, the May and then the other didn't pick the May. This was on both sides, and both sides, as dominant as they were, just hammered that point home, I think. Yeah. Um, most people don't take into take this into account, but momentum is really important in Overwatch. It's the same way how like if you ever watch like a UFC fight or even like you know fighting games in general. If a person takes like a round or takes a lead really early, um, they start rolling with it. And in Overwatch, it's the same thing. If you happen to get to the point first, you have you're you're setting the tempo. You're the one who is going to dictate the pace of the game. So they're trying to do that as as quickly as they can. It's something that's really built into the way how Overwatch is played, and uh, at least at a higher and competitive level. So next came the the NYXL versus the Justice, and it, it went to four. Uh, the the New York Justice unfortunately did lose their their homestand, but I mean you're facing off against the NYXL, who even though they've been a little bit rocky this season, they're a very good, a very established team. Um, you had Jonak on the Zen again, so I mean I mean you're facing against the legend here. Uh, they did push it to map four though. So again, not they didn't roll over and die. The justice again. It, I guess the trend of the week was, um, one team will take the first map and then the other team will 
come back for the 3-0 run over them. And that's what happened here. Yeah, it tends to go that way sometimes where um, you you let your foot off the gas for like one second um, and then they just start rolling with it. So, um, yeah, especially when it came down to NYXL versus the Justice, there's a lot of teams that have... Um, or, both of these teams have personnel and have MVP candidates. Um, I'm just waiting to see like Corey and Stratus kind of get into a groove. Um, but we also get to see, you know, the best that the NYXL can provide as well with who are you and uh, Sabiolbe still doing their thing. And I feel like the current hero pool really did benefit uh, NYXL here. Um, they gave them the option to go into Zen and who else to play Zenyatta other than Jonak. Another thing that did happen in the middle of this match was that um, there was a shout out to women of Overwatch League during the um, during the break because it was uh, International Women's Day. Um, they had an interview with Annalyn Balin Dang, who was the general manager of the Washington Justice. Um, and I'll, it's great seeing that there are women behind the scenes uh, of Overwatch, but really the only faces that we get to see are uh, are Zoe and currently because she's doing the translation um, for some of her players is Avala. Those are the only women we see in front of the camera, which I, I don't, I don't know. It's like you have one player who's a woman in the Overwatch League and you don't play her. There are spots that could definitely be filled by some of these teams and by women and you, you don't pick them. Um, Congratulations to the women of Overwatch behind the scenes who are making this this sport what it is. But we need some people who are in front of the camera and who are considered the talent and not just general manager. Yeah, I, I agree. We need more female talent in the league. And I feel like it's just a matter of time before we get that too. Um, once we get past the stigma that you know, gaming's just for dudes. Gaming's just a guy thing. It's not. Um, there's a reason why a lot of the schools aren't joining the NCAA. Um, it's because one of them was the fact that you can't have co-ed teams. Um, we need co-ed on a lot of the teams because they're good. You're taking the best talent who you can get. Um, and it's just a matter of time before the Overwatch League is going to integrate uh, more females into the into the actual game um, in terms of like playing for the team uh, other than being a bench warmer or a, a in, in terms of like Gregory, like she's just there. She needs to actually have play time. And especially now since Diva and um, Zarya are, are popular picks. Uh, if you know, the Shanghai dragons could actually get a game, maybe she'd be played a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I want to, I definitely want to see more female, uh, talent going into the Overwatch League. And it's out there. It's just a matter of uh, getting getting it. For me, the most unfortunate part about Gigori is how she was essentially used as set decoration. The League made a huge deal about signing her. She got maybe one or two matches, and then she's just been sidelined from then on out. So as great as it was to finally sign a woman, I don't think the, the League did it because of her play, I think it feels like they did it for the novelty of signing a woman. 
Yeah, and she's a good player. Like if you've ever seen her play like Zarya or um or Diva for that fact, like she's an amazing player. Um it's just the amount of people who will give her a shot. Um I mean, I, I want to see her play. Like she there's a reason why there was a guy who doubted her initially and he said, I will risk my Overwatch career to um because I think, you know, she's a fluke. I think that um that Gregory's a fluke. And when he saw her in person, he you followed up on his word. He left Overwatch. So there is a reason why we need this to happen. Um, we just need more females into the game. And if we do, we can erase the stigma that video games is just a boys' club. So for the for the very last match of the weekend, it was the Boston Uprising versus the Atlanta Reign. And um, I, I, I clearly very easily put this in the Reign's wheelhouse and they took it, 3-0 sweep. Um, not a lot really to note here. It was, just, it was very dominant from the Atlanta Reign. Yeah, the, the Reign did exactly what they needed to do against the Uprising. Um, they, they have more experience going into this too, so... Um, yeah, the rain just did exactly what they needed to do. Um, and I'm glad that we got to see, uh, we got to see them play. So I, I'm, I'm down to see where the rain go from here. Um, I, I have them as like a team to watch this, uh, not this semester. I almost said this semester, uh, this season. Um, so I think that, yeah, the, the rain are definitely going to be doing a lot, uh, a lot more high tier play when they start playing against other teams um besides who they've already faced off against yeah so again for me this week a big um point was the the different heroes that were played the choice the strategic choices the not so strategic choices and, and what really happened with the meta um one of the things that i noticed the most was the use of the zenyatta and the brigitte um, for a lot of um, the the shield healing and the damage output, because a lot of teams were really running very dive heavy comps, and they were looking to um, to focus certain targets and eliminate them faster than the other team. So the shield from the Brigitte plus the damage output from Zen on top of his um, Discord orb really made that a very effective uh, dive strategy, but the way that it suffered was that if you needed to do a lot of rapid healing very quickly, um, you couldn't do that. So uh, a lot of teams lost their tanks very quickly because of that. Yeah. If you didn't pick up the Ana, you're not getting any form of burst healing. That is just how it is. Um, Ana's healing is solid as is, but like you have to pocket only one person and then you essentially have to rely on either, uh, the Lucio or another form of healing uh, to kind of get blanket healing. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult. I was very surprised that that soldier did get picked as much as he did, even though he's banned, he's banned next week. He got 14% playtime, but I, the, with uh, the amount of utility that he has, I'm surprised it actually wasn't even higher because he has that, the damage uh, and the, um, the, the hit scan tracking capability. He's got the, um, 
essentially the aimbot with his ultimate. He has the mobility. He has the healing. Um, I'm I'm honestly surprised that it was only that 14%. Yeah, I have to agree as well. Like he's one of the very few characters left in the game after the widow, or he is the only character after Widow and McCree to have a legit hit scan presence. So um I'm, I was really surprised to see him getting picked as much as he did. Um but I am I'm happy to to see that. But I'm really sad that now he's banned just because of the way how you know the hero the hero pools work. Um he, he's just up there. We'll eventually get that week where, where May is banned and then we'll see what the league does at that point. I really I really really want her to get banned. Um so yeah, our our bands for next week are going to be uh Winston, Soldier 76, Sombra and Lucio. Um like I'm very unfortunate because the Winston really only came to four this week along with that Soldier 76 as we saw with like the dominance of the dive teams, like the the Outlaws. Um but so next week we're going to we're going to get the the, the Reinhardt the um, the McCree, the Widowmaker, and Moira back. Do you think they're just just gonna go snap right back to that being the meta? Because that's what I was worried about with the way that the hero pools are. I do agree. I think that we are gonna go straight back to to the Ryan, uh, the Ryan Diva, May McCree. Uh, it'll be like on uh, Baptiste. Ana Baptiste, maybe, or Ana Baptiste Zenyatta, maybe. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I feel like the defensive ult is necessary here. So um, we're either going to need the Baptiste or we're going to see Zen. Uh, one of those two are going to be played a lot, um, along with the Ana, because Ana is one of the very few that will still give solid amount of HP, other than Moira. But uh, Ana's utility is just way better. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I feel like we are going to fall back into kind of that meta, but at the same time, you have to consider what's available. Um, this is like Kevin putting on tinfoil hat time, but here's my meta pick. It's going to be one team next week is going to play a full-on bunker comp, okay? Because it's just available. Like We're going to have the dumbest, like bunker comp on like it's going to be that junker town hold on the hold on the hut on the left thing where you just sit in there and hope that you don't die like that's going to be it it's going to be ryan arissa bastion may uh zenyatta baptiste like that's gonna <laughs> somebody's gonna do that next week and i i feel it i think a better way maybe to um to do this with the hero bans is instead of no hero being able to be banned two, uh, two weeks in a row, I think the limit is should be two weeks in a row. Cause then you're not just going to be in this yo-yo state between um, that Ryan diva may um, McCree um, uh, whoever the healers are that cause the healers alternate that, that whatever that meta is um, that week and then swapping to, a hero band mana then going right back to what it was um i think maybe if if you could ban them for two weeks then that would create enough of a weird a buffer time where the different heroes could be banned so that it would make it less likely that all those heroes would be available at the same time 
Yeah, uh, I was mostly afraid of that. If it came down to a curated list, it's like the inevitable flip flop of just metas. Like you would have one meta where it's just like, oh, it's dive this week. Okay, we're going back to bunker. Okay, we're going back to double shield. Like it's just literally a flip flop. If you if you ban the same things every other week, um, but yeah, if it's two weeks banned, then you're like, okay, maybe we can, you know, do it this time, or maybe this should happen. Um, I feel like the if the Overwatch team were to do something like this, they would be the ones who would be like, okay, well, maybe one of the just say like, um, here's the four heroes that are banned. One of them will be banned for two weeks, and then you just kind of carry that on until the next week. Or, and then just see how that dictates the flow of the show. We still don't know who's playing next week, right? We I'm still don't know. Right, I'm trying to look but, right now because we are, well, as, as we stated in the news section, we are going to be, um, we're going to be having the matches. We're just not going to have the, the homestand experience anymore. Um, for safety concerns, if all, all of the, the events surrounding Overwatch League is not going to be happening. The teams will still play each other. Um, I don't know if they'll they'll be in a physical place together or if they're just going to do it through the the wonder of the internet. But we're still having those matches. Overwatch League has not yet um, updated their website to reflect which teams are going to be playing. Um, considering that now it's uh, just going to be online only, do you, is there a chance that you think that maybe we'll see those Korean teams playing or, or is there, or do you think we might just go back to what the original schedule was? I think that we'll follow the original schedule in the way, the original way how it was done. But um, I do want like the home stands to happen at some point. I hope that this is just like a rescheduling kind of, kind of issue rather than, um, Oh yeah, we're, we're not going to, we're just going to pull the plug on the whole thing. Um, yeah, so I hope that they play online, and if they do, uh, we'll we'll be watching for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like in terms of the way and the connection of how it's going to be done, um, lag is going to be another issue. Connection, um, and we'll definitely see how that plays into um, plays into the Overwatch League. Well, fingers crossed. We'll we'll have to keep. We're just gonna keep watching it until watching the website. See what happens over the weekend, and, and as always, we'll we'll be back to report what happens. Um, anything else we want to talk about? Nope. Uh, once again, the the games for the next couple of weeks are gonna be up in the air. We we don't know what's going on, so uh. We'll we'll just have to see what happens. If we don't have any Overwatch League matches, once again, we'll just do like news and our take on the meta. Um, otherwise, we'll just have to enjoy uh, what matches we we will have. At least there will be matches. That's all I can say. I, I hope there's still going to be matches. Let's just hope that they don't they don't get canceled. Oh well, I miss Blizzard Arena. Anyway. <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning into our gameplay analysis section this week. Um, we'll hopefully have some gameplay for you to listen to next week. Hooray! Hooray! Well, we'll Hooray. see. 
All right. Well, thanks guys for tuning in and stay safe, wash your hands and don't hoard toilet paper. Yeah, I'm tired of using one play and share your share your Purell. All right, and adios. Yep, see ya. Next week, we see what's happening with the league after the cancellation. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.